The one of the things the Lord said that come to my heart several times this week. He he made this statement. He said, "He that hath ears to hear, let him hear." He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, obviously, he was talking to people who had ears, right? I mean, when he looked out in this crowd and he said, any of you have ears? You have ears. I want you to hear what I'm... Well, of course, he was talking much deeper than that. What he was saying was, if you have a heart to hear what the Spirit is saying... I want you to hear it. And he's saying the same thing this morning to us, to me and to you. Here it says, listen up. I want to speak. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. It's not a matter of does God want to speak. We know he does. It's a matter of, do you want to hear, and do I want to hear what he says? So I say that to you this morning. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. God wants us to hear. Um, So I don't know how all this is going to go. It was interesting. David asked me to preach and... You know, at first I was like, sure. <clears throat> it got fuller, by the way. It didn't dwindle off with my wife's um, incident with her foot. Maybe, maybe some of you know that. Maybe you don't. If you'll pray for my wife, I'd appreciate it. She's scheduled for Thursday on on uh, Wednesday. She severed a leader to her big toe. So on a lighter side, I'll tell you what I told. Uh, a friend of mine that works with me, he, you know how social media is. I mean, th- people find out things, my family and people find out things before I even know it. You know, it's just the way it is. But anyway, I took my wife to the doctor and uh, uh, the doctor said, yep, she severed her uh, tendon to her big toe, need her to see a surgeon. Okay, so we left there and I'm, you know, trying to sort through all this in my mind and heart. A few minutes later, ding, I get this text. I look up in my phone. It's a guy that works with me. He's a friend of mine. And he says, oh, my, what happened to your wife? And I'm like, golly, I haven't even had time to process this. <laughs> what happened, you know? I'm sorry to hear it. What happened to your wife? And he's just concerned. You know, no problem. I'm just like in my mind, you know, I got a lot, a lot here to sort through. And how is this going to happen? Can we get her in by Wednesday? And, you know, just a lot going on there. So I didn't respond right then, and I was driving, and we had phone calls to make and so forth. Later on that last afternoon, oh, that's right, I needed to respond to Mike in his text. So I said, uh, oh, sorry. I said, we got in a little spat, and she dropped her, dropped the knife, and it severed her big toe. <laughs> Sent it back to him. <laughs> I said, no big deal. We got in a we got in a little spat. She dropped the knife and severed her big toe. It's not a problem. Thank you, though. Then I clarified it. I, I immediately sent another. And I said she was cleaning out the dishwasher and or loading the dishwasher, 
She put a knife in the dishwasher, it slipped, and it ended up dropping on her top of her foot and severed the leader to her toe. So with all that said, you know, we have a full schedule. She's scheduled for surgery, Lord willing, on Wednesday, and I would appreciate her. So um, in the midst of, David asked me to, to preach, and I was short notice. I need to think about this a little bit. Then, then there was a comment made, and we were talking about something at the camp, camping trip, and David said, sounds to me like uh, there's a platform for your message. And I was like, well, okay, maybe. Uh, but anyway, David, that was a word from the Lord, because actually that's the, that was the platform for what the Lord laid on my heart to give you today. <clears throat> I want to... I want you to walk with me a little bit today, and I'll, I'll try to move through this pretty quickly. But I ask you a question, and it's the title to my message today. What is the heartbeat of God? What is the heartbeat of God? And I challenge you, if you were to read the New Testament prayerfully and just ask the Lord, show me what your heartbeat is. We know there's a lot of doctrine, there's a lot of teaching, there's a lot of instruction to the church, a lot of individual instruction, a lot of, you know, Old Testament teaching and a lot of things in there. Apostles and the list goes on and on and on with all the things that are in the New Testament. But overall, all the way through it, what would be the heartbeat of God found in the New Testament? As I consider that, I believe I'm going to present to you today the heartbeat of God found in the New Testament. And then with that, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, we'll use this scripture as a, as a text. Along with that, the second question would be, what is the heartbeat of God? And then this is what I want you to ask yourself. Does my heartbeat beat with the heartbeat of God? God, what is your heartbeat? And does my heartbeat in tune with your heartbeat. Because out of the heart is the issues of life. Out of the heart. It all begins in the heart. And I believe if we can get, if I can get, and you can get the heartbeat of God, just a glimpse of it, just a portion of it, beating inside of us, thriving, in, that'll change our lives. I know it will. I know it will. When we begin to think like God thinks, it'll change our life. I know it will. Luke chapter 14, we're going to read a parable here. Parables were given to emphasize a greater meaning. Luke chapter 14, verse 16 reads, Then, he, then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper 
time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must know, must needs go and see it. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I bought five uh, yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry. Those were the words that stuck as I read through that the previous week. And I was meditating on that. So here's a man who says, I'm going to build, I'm going to make a large feast. And I'm going to invite all my friends. And I want you to come. I want you to come. And he went to this one and he said, hey, come. And he said, you know, I'm be. I got to work that Saturday. Otherwise, I would come. Hey, I bought a new piece of property. I have to go somewhere else. I've got other things to do. I married a wife. All these excuses, if you will, right? Excuses. That's really what they were. Why they couldn't come. But it says here the master wasn't disappointed. I'm sure he was, but it says something stronger than that. It says he was angry. Who's the master? Anybody? Who's the master here in the story? The Lord. Yeah, God's the master. Who's who lay is laying the table and preparing the, the marriage supper of the lamb? Who is making spreading the table? God is. Who's the invitation going out to? Boy, y'all need to wake up. It's going to take a long time to get through this. Come on. Who's the invitation going out to? Everybody. Thank you. There's a lot of people making excuses, aren't they? Get it? There's a lot of people saying, not today. I'm busy. Sorry. Maybe another day. Could you plan it again another day for me? I'm busy. I got things to do. I got a job. I got a family. I'm going through trials. Can't make it today. How is the father's response to those excuses? He's upset. Because you don't understand what all I did to prep this table. You don't understand how important this meal is. You don't understand the burden of my heart and why I'm laying all this out and why I'm inviting you and pleading with you to come. You don't understand. And I'm angry because you won't come. I'm angry because you won't come. Saying, excuses. <clears throat> go out, he said, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. And bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, 
that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now we find him angry. And then we find him giving commands. Okay, they will go out. Just, just start inviting people. It doesn't matter who. Just tell them. Tell them to come. I got a spread here for you. I got a table made. I got a feast planned for you. I've done all the preparation. Just tell them to come. I want this house full. And they said, Lord, we've done it. There's still room. Well, keep going. Keep telling. Keep inviting them. Keep pleading with them. I want my house full. I want the table full. Can you get the heartbeat of the Father? Can you understand? Can I understand how important it is to the Father that this table get filled? Can we get Can we put ourselves as that servant looking into the eyes of that master and seeing his response? And just keep looking as he says, go again, go in, go tell, go invite them, plead with them. I want my table full. Can we get a glimpse of the heartbeat of God? I want you to listen as I just quote a few things from the New Testament or comment on them. Think about the parables that the of the lost sheep. Ninety and nine. Shepherd has ninety and nine. One sheep. Goes astray. Shepherd leaves ninety and nine to go seek the one. Can you get the heartbeat? It wasn't that the ninety and nine weren't important. The ninety and nine are okay. But I want to go get the one. Can you get the heartbeat? The lost coin. Think about it. The Lord taught these parables for reason. The lost coin, all night long searching diligently for that coin. One coin. Why? Because that one coin is so valuable. That's why. parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Dad had two sons. Had one that stayed at home. Everything's good. We got a good relationship. The other son made his own choice. Was that the father's heart? No. (laughs) I'm going to watch at the road every day because I want that son to come home. Can you see the daddy's heart? Can you feel daddy's heartbeat as he tells these parables? Can you see how important 
Everyone is, as Daddy tells these stories. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. How important to men, to Daddy. Everyone. How important are they to Daddy? That's my question. Are they important to you? Are they important to me? I want to have more of that heartbeat of God. I want to understand my Father's heart. And I want more of that heartbeat inside of me. That says, go, son, go. But Lord, they'll make excuses. Keep going. But Lord, a lot of of them not come. Keep going. They won't hear me. They're too busy. They're stuck in their religion. Keep going, son. Keep going. My heart is that they come. Can we hear Daddy's heart as he says, go get him? That day's coming. You know, and this is not said in condemnation, but this is said from a heart of compassion because the Lord, I believe, impressed it upon my heart this morning. I said, Lord, why aren't we going? Why aren't we compassion? Why aren't we burning with compassion for souls? What, what is dying? What is? And the Lord said, remember the parable of the ten virgins. While the Lord tarried, they all slumbered and slept. They just slept. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be sleeping. I don't want to be sleeping. Help us to awake. Rise out of our sleeping and slumbering state. And do and be about the winning of souls. The reaching the lost. Showing them compassion. Showing them the reality of God's love. Showing them the difference between light and darkness. Showing them love and passion and telling them, My Father has a place for you. My Father wants you to come. Be with Him. The Bible says, This is the heart of God. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
For the sake of time, I won't read this, but I encourage you to read it in your time. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Do you, and I, do you and I realize that we were on his heart before the foundation of the earth? You're talking about something deep and heavy. You and I were, and read it. If you find anything, then it let me know. You and I were on the heart of God before the foundation of the earth. That's how important you are. That's astounding. <laughs> and he, the Bible says in another place that he was slain before the foundation of the earth. He had it all worked out. In his, in his deity, he knew what would happen in the garden. And he had a plan. <clears throat> and that plan included you and me. And he said, I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to redeem him. <clears throat> I know they're going to fall. But I've got a plan devised. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to give everything heaven has. I'm going to send him to be slain before sinful men. To show them my love. And they'll respond. And they'll accept that. Because I love them. I want them to be with me. Before the foundation of the world, you were on his heart. I was on his heart. That's, I don't know how that makes you feel, but I'm like, wow. Wow. He loves me that much, and he loves you that much. <clears throat> the heart of the God... The heartbeat of God is redemption. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are a disciple of Christ? Hands up high. Disciple of Christ. Good. My hands are up there with you. What is the first thing that he told the disciples? Anybody? Down at the first disciples he was calling. Down they were fishing. They were making a living. That's what they were doing. They were down at the water casting nets or cleaning up their boat or whatever they were doing. They're fishermen. He walked down on the coast and he said, hey, come. What else did he say? I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow me and I'll make you is there a message in there? <laughs> Is there maybe a message in there for me or you? Why would it be just those 12? It isn't just those 12. That same message should ring in the hearts of us as his disciples. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, that my table can be full, that my house, that my love may be known, 
that people can worship and adore and love because the walls of sin will be broken. My redemption is real and I want the world to know. Come and I'll make you fishers of men. Same message. Hadn't changed. We just don't hear it. We're just busy. (laughs) Or sleeping or something. And I say we. I'm saying me. I want to get more in tune with the heartbeat of my father. and salt he told them go and make disciples he said go and preach the gospel the Lord sent out 12 and then 35 and then 70 that's the way it was now both are good Addition and multiplication, right? Both are good. Both have their proper place. But which one of them increases more addition, the sum more, addition or multiplication? Help me out. Right? What I see happening is in the church as a whole, here included, is we're adding one And we're adding one. Oh, and we added two. And we added one. Jesus said, multiply. I knew an evangelist one time. He, I I looked it up this morning. You can look it up. His name was Freddie Gage, one of the, one of the, they said under, uh, under Billy Graham, he was probably won more souls to Christ than anybody <clears throat> in present day. He died in 2014. He had a ministry and he said, go tell. Go and tell. He came to Kannapolis, rented A.L. Brown um, Stadium. Got a few hundred people to come the first night he was there. He preached the word. And then he shared the message, go tell, go bring one, go bring one. The next night, instead of there being a few hundred, there was like 1,500 or 1,700. And then he preached the word and he said, go tell, go bring somebody, bring one. Everybody bring one, bring one. I don't care if it's your neighbor, your cousin, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your schoolmate. It doesn't matter. Bring one, bring one. And they kept growing, and they kept growing. And people were weeping before God's sins, and being washed in the blood and born of the Spirit. And it kept growing, and it kept growing for many nights. In his obituary I read this morning, they were confident that he was, that he reached over a million souls for Christ in his life and ministry. A million souls for Christ. How important was that to God? How important is your ministry to God? My ministry. 
You know, I use I want to use an illustration here. There was a, there was a time when the Lord came to a blind man and he touched him and he and he prayed for his sight. And then he looked at him and he said, "How do you see?" I'm paraphrasing. And he said, "I see men as trees." And he touched him the second time. And then he said, how do you see? He said, I see all men plainly. And I'm going to pull from that this illustration. I believe that many of us need the second touch. I believe many of us see men as trees. We don't see a soul. We simply see men as trees. Go about it every day. And men as, you know, they're men, women, boys, girls, they're just there. I believe we need that second touch where we see men as God sees them. There's a soul. There's somebody who's going to live forever in eternity. There's somebody who Christ died for. Your family members, many of them are lost. Because your mom, your dad, your siblings are lost. They don't know Christ. If they die today, where will they spend eternity What's the burden of your heart? What's the burden of my heart? Do we see men as trees? Or do we see them as God sees them? I had a question. You may say today, well, that's for the preacher. That's for the evangelists. That's not my calling. Don't listen to that voice. You're called. You read the book. He said you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You, If you've been reconciled to God, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the word to God, uh, the world to God. You've been in the word of uh, reconciliation and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Convinced that there's people that you, God wants you to touch and reach. God wants you to touch and reach. He wants you to carry a burden for their soul. He wants you to show them compassion and love. He wants you to care about their eternal soul. He's giving you the opportunity and me the opportunity to reach them for Christ. To have an impact in their life for Christ. What are we going to do with that? I mentioned Freddie Gage. I want to tell you a little bit about my testimony. I'm here as a believer because somebody went out and knocked on my door. And they said, we'd like to invite you to church. And I said, okay, I'm a hippie living with my wife. Got marijuana plants growing in my bedroom closet. Standing there with his Bible under his arm. How are you, sir? I said, I'm doing good. How about you? Doing good. We're from so-and-so. We're from Quarry Heights Baptist Church over here. Landis. Like to invite you to church. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. Would you be willing to come? Sure, might come sometime. We'd like to give you. Had no intentions of coming. Brush them off. We'd like to give you something to read. Sure, no problem. Been given those before. Thank you. Want to ask you a question before we leave? Sure. If you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Wow. Never been asked that question before. Never. Never. I don't know. If you could know, would you like to know? Yeah. Sure. Let me tell you. And they started telling me about Jesus. But because somebody came and somebody knocked on my door and said, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? I believe that was a call of God for this rebellious sinner. That was a knock of God. God was saying, won't you come? I got a table spread for you. I care. I want you to come. I was one of those go in the highways and hedges and compel them and tell them to come. And somebody said, I'll go. And I was that boy. I was that 21-year-old hippie that, that they said, come. Will you come? Long story short, I said, yes, obviously I'm here. After a few weeks, I'm just going to take a few minutes, but after a few weeks, they said, need to come to church. Man, I don't, you don't understand. You know, I, that's not my lifestyle. Want to know more about God? Yes. Come. It's okay. Showing me love, showing me compassion, showing me somebody cared. Those sisters brought my wife, bought my wife a dress. My wife said, "I can't go to church in pants. That's all I got." She 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 was raised and she understood that. And they said, "No problem. <laughs> We're just going to love you here." Brought me a brought me a white shirt and a pair of pants. All I had was work clothes. Get you something. Come on. Don't worry about it. Come on. I was baptized. Then they said, hey, we became friends. And they said, look, we want you to go soul winning with us. Soul winning? (laughs) What's that? We want you. Now we came to your house. And by then I was excited about Christ. Hey, God loves me. God loves me. Christ died for my sins. I was getting it. It was sinking in. This was powerful. Hey, we want you to go with us. Where are we going? We're going to go tell somebody about Jesus. Who? <laughs> Never done that. Hair's still long. Still struggling. A lot of things going on in my life. Trying to find my way through. What in the world? Be here Friday night. Usually we go on Thursday, but this ain't going to work this week. We'll be here Friday. Come pick you up. Go with us. Okay, let's go. We drove around. They already had some place picked out, pulled down in this trailer park. I could show you where it is. I know exactly where it is. Pulled down in this trailer park. And I'm like, you know where you're at? (laughs) This is a rough place. Friday night, 
this ain't the place to be. They pull down in there and they say, look, you're up. We want you to tell them. I said, me? I'm just here with y'all. No, 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 no. We want you to tell them. What am I supposed to tell them? Tell them what God did in your life. I'm like, well, hell, no. I, I'm just, you know, I, no, come on, you can do it. Come on. Okay. Somebody come to the door. Yeah, man, what do you need? <laughs> I'm like, I don't need anything. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't need nothing. You know, well, I don't even know what I'm doing here. You know, but I'm like, um, uh, I'm, I, you know, and I proceeded to tell them how that Jesus saved my soul. I'm here to tell you that God loves you and he cares about you. Did the man get saved? No. Did he ever get saved? I don't know. But I do know I did what God wanted me to do, and I told him that Jesus loved him and cared about him. I'll tell you another story. A few years later, first prison crusade, Rock of Ace Prison Ministry, Brushy Mountain, Tennessee. Brushy Mountain, Tennessee. I was asked to go on a prison crusade, not as an evangelist, but as somebody to testify and share the word. I was born in 1960. In 1974, in 1974, I was uh, institutionalized. How you like that? That's a big term, right? In 1960, in 1974, I was institutionalized. I was locked up. 14 years old, boys' home, Tennessee Preparatory School, Nashville, Tennessee. Could, nobody couldn't do anything with this 14-year-old boy. So lock him up. Put him in an institution. That'll help him. Oh, yeah. Trust me, that'll help him. 1974, locked me up, put me in, a, in an institution. Those were rough days for me. <clears throat> Nineteen eighty two or nineteen eighty one I was born again. Spirit of God. In nineteen eighty four, a four year old struggling Christian went to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. He said, Go down that row. <clears throat> These are lifers. It's a death row. Go down that row. Tell the story. I walked up to a cell. As soon as I walked up to the cell, I, you know, I'd, I'd practiced this before. I knew what to say. As soon as I walked up to the cell, though, I looked at this guy, and it was like, hmm, I know you. I didn't say anything, but I looked at him. He looked at me, and it was like, I know you. We both connected immediately. How do I know you? And I said, my name is Joe Lefebvre. I'm from such and such, you know, Rock of Ages prison ministry, here to share Christ with you and, you know, show you somebody cares. And, you know, we kept talking and, you know, but he kept at me. And I'm like, this, this is not cutting it. You know, it's time to stop. I said, hey, do I, do I? I said, I was thinking the same thing. I said, where are you from? He told me, no connection there. I, he said, where are you from? I told him, no. Where'd you go to school at? Where'd you go to, what kind of work you do? 
Maybe, maybe we run across each other at work. All of a sudden, ay, yai. I said, was you ever in Tennessee Preparatory School? Ah, yes. <clears throat> that boy and I fought. We had really, really bad, bad situation. And all of a sudden, my heart was humbled. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, I was there. He said, that's where I know you from. I said, yeah. He said, looks like you've been doing pretty good for yourself. And God said, if that wasn't for my grace, that's you. And let me give you some statistics, if you don't believe that was God's hand. In 1985, I looked this up, there was 750,000 prisoners in the state of Tennessee's prison system. Three-quarters of a million prisoners. And God just happened to let me walk up to the cell of somebody that I had done time with as a 14-year-old boy. Do you believe that? Just happened that that happened. I said, if it wasn't for me and my grace, that's where you'd be. Because somebody said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I need to finish up. But if God has spoken to your heart today, and you might say, I really believe that I'm a disciple, and I believe God wants me to tell. I believe that God wants me to carry the burden of souls on my heart like he carries. You might say, but I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure. I've never talked like that. I, I, it's out of my box. I'm not sure. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you a couple tidbits, and then we'll close. In closing, we're going to open the altar. God has spoken to my heart. I want God to make me a soul winner. I want God to give me his passion for souls. We're going to give you an opportunity to come up here and pray. But I want to give you a couple first, before we do that, a couple of one-liners that I've used over time. Hey. I love it at a drive-in window. Drive-in window. How are you today? Doing good. You? Yeah. Hey, anybody told you that Jesus loves you today? What? Anybody told you today Jesus loves you? Numerous times I've seen tears. Not today. I just want you to know Jesus loves you and he cares about you. Touch their heart with the heartbeat of God. Touch their heart. It's good to smile and be courteous. But touch their heart with words. Tell them. Tell them. God loves you. If you died today, 
Go ask your workmate. Go ask your neighbor. Go ask somebody. First thing you need to do is ask God. Put somebody in front of me today that needs you and then prompt me. I'll speak. Give us to see. Touch my eyes the second time. And then give me that Holy Spirit anointing to say, there it is. Then I'll speak. Then, Lord, you got to give me the word to say, I'll do it. You just be the vessel. You just be willing. Go ask your neighbor. If you die today, I'm just curious. We're neighbors. We're friends. I'm just curious. If you die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? You'd be surprised. Sometimes you get a cold shoulder. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. I just want you to know I care. If you ever need something, let me know. You know, rejection's going to come. How many times has the Lord been rejected? Does he quit coming? (laughs) I know I rejected him many times. Jesus wants to be your friend. Where will you spend eternity? Sometimes I'll ask, do you want to know the greatest thing that ever happened to me? Well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to know? Hey, do you want to know the greatest thing that ever happened to me? Well, yeah, I guess. What, 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 what is it? Hey, I got born again at 21. I gave my heart and life to Christ. God turned my life upside down. He wants to do the same for you. Sometimes they'll say, I know, I know, I understand. <laughs> well, then go tell somebody, you know. Share it. Be willing. Speak. Um, another thing I found that, that helps is ministering through prayer. If you're sensitive and you listen, you'll be surprised how many times somebody will tell you something deep they're walking through. They'll open up to you and they'll tell you the pain of their heart, what they're walking through. Just simply say, is it okay with I, if I pray with you? And then take that opportunity to minister to them. God, show them that you love them. Show them that you care. God, reveal yourself to them in their time of need. Get it? Minister to them through prayer. Give them that hunger to know that God that cares. Show them. God loves them. We're going to close. Time has gotten away. But if you would say, Brother Joe, I I want to be that soul winner. I want to be more effective in the ministry of reaching others for Christ. God has spoken to my heart. I'd like prayer. If you'd like to do that, somebody wants to come forward, kneel, we'll pray. Together, if God has spoken to your heart and you'd like like prayer, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Let's stand and rise. Brother Joe, you'll close. As I pray, if you want to come up and pray, we'll pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your burden. Thank you, Father, for your spirit.
he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I thank you, Father, for that. And give us ears to hear what to speak saying. Give us compassion. Give us the heartbeat of God. Help us, Lord, that you want your table full. Help us to see your heart. May our hearts beat with your heart to see your house full. There's a song that says, My house is full, but my fields are empty. When is the last time we sent somebody to go tell? God help us. We love you. I pray for these that have responded by your spirit. I pray for an anointing upon their life. I Lord, that you would cast out fear, rejection. Lord, I, I believe there's people in here who have had a burden in times past for souls, but maybe that's cooled off. Maybe they're just satisfied. Maybe they're satisfied with just doing life. God, renew our burden for souls. Maybe there's some young believers here who said, I am shaking. God wants me to tell somebody. Encourage, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Give all of us your burden for souls, God. Bless these that have responded. I pray an anointing upon their life. I pray against the enemy that would try to steal the seed. In the parable of the sower, that seed fell on different ground. And I pray, God, that the seed today would fall on good ground, honest hearts. Hearts that are hungry and thirsting and trusting and trembling before a holy God. Bless these that have come. Anoint their lips. Give them boldness. Give us grace. My heart is there with them, Lord. We love you. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.